All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Again, we're going through the book of Romans. Our whole purpose in going through the book of Romans is to understand your faith. So let me kind of bring you up to speed with where we're at as we're flowing along. We've gone through four chapters. Here's what Paul has done. For the first three and a half chapters, he wants you to understand where humanity is as far as its relationship with him. And it's not in a good place. We have people who want to do their own thing. We have people who judge other people. They live moral lives, but they really can't keep up with what they're judging other people. They're doing the same things. We have people who, who are religious, who, who are basically thinking that by their actions or by their standing on God's word or whatever, they think they're okay, but they're not okay. He, so he sums it up and says, all have fallen short. All have sinned because nobody's seeking after God. So then when we get into the latter part of chapter 3 into chapter 4, he then brings up the reality that we are accepted with God not because of us, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we, he made that point several ways by saying it's not by our works, not by the good things you do. Again, it's not by your religious actions. It's not even by you keeping the law or keeping the rules. You're accepted with God. You're justified, to use the theological word. You are accepted with him, not because of you, but because of him. So remember, I told you, it's not because of you. Don't think it's you. It's you that's really not the issue here. It's what Jesus has done for you. You've got to grasp that. So then when you realize at the beginning of chapter 1 in verse 17, when he gives the theme verse for the entire book is that the just shall live by faith. Your faith that saves you is that Jesus did it for you, not you. That's where your belief has to be. So now he's getting into chapter 5. And I really think this is a good lesson he's going to give us here. We're going to look at verses 1 to 5. I thought I was going to take the whole section down to verse 12, but there's so much here in these first five verses because he's going to talk about, are you ready for this, the benefits of, of acceptance. There are certain benefits that you enjoy because you're accepted with God. And you say, well, I didn't know there were benefits. Yeah, a lot of us aren't aware of them. In fact, we live our lives without that realization that God has benefited us in a, in, in, through the relationship. There are things that we have because of the relationship and his acceptance with us that we just take for granted or we're not even aware of. Now, why is that? Because a lot of us have unhealthy thinking. A lot of us are operating with some very unhealthy thinking. Now, when I mean unhealthy thinking, I'm not talking about what the doctor says to me about my eating habits. Okay? I'm talking about your thinking concerning your spiritual life. And with that, you and I have developed a pattern of unhealthy thinking. Why? Well, one of the big sources of our unhealthy thinking is just church life, church culture. And for instance, so I'll, I'll think about myself. So, you know, I'm, 
1985, I became a believer in Christ. I was 19 years old. I went to a little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. And, and that was a really foundational time in my faith in Christ, and I loved those people a lot. But there were some things that were just part of South Carolina Baptist church culture that gave you the impression that acceptance with God had to be based on several things, like how you dressed, what version of the Bible you carried, how often you came to church, where you went, where you didn't go. And so because we're human and we're not perfect, sometimes we then equate, and this has ended up happening with me, you equate doing all those things as a means to be accepted with God. When in reality, those things, would you agree with me, have nothing to do with my acceptance with God. But the moment I began to think that they did, and began to live in defeat because I couldn't keep up, I developed unhealthy thinking. We develop unhealthy thinking in a lot of ways. That was through the legalism. Some of it we develop is when we go through difficult times. So, by the way, can, can I tell you something the Bible assumes? You may want to write this down. The Bible assumes that from Genesis chapter 3 up to Genesis Revelation chapter 19, that our world is, world is going to be filled with pain and suffering, and you're going to be in the midst of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That life happens, and difficult things happen. Some of them we create for ourselves. They're the consequences of our decisions and our sins. Some of them just happen out of the blue. We're caught off guard. The Bible assumes that. But what happens is, is we develop some unhealthy thinking that when the stuff happens that's normal in our lives, difficulty, struggles, hardship, we think somehow God has changed his view towards us, that we're no longer accepted because I'm going through this, maybe you don't love me anymore, God. That's unhealthy thinking. And a lot of Christians are operating that way. So I want to make two points about this unhealthy thinking. Okay, here it is. Number one, we approach our relationship with God with an unhealthy fear. An unhealthy fear. We're just afraid of him. Now, let me stop. We are to have a fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, the scripture says. But I'm not, that's a healthy fear. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a fear where you are afraid of God every time you do something wrong because you're afraid he's going to drop the hammer on you. As if he's totally surprised by the fact that you're a sinner. So can I tell you this? He's not surprised by that. He knows you're a sinner. He knows you're not perfect. Hey, write that down. He knows you're not perfect. And with that, though, with our unhealthy thinking, we live in a panic sometimes inside. We don't express it outward, but an inward panic, an inward fear that, oh, God, I'm just afraid of what you're going to do for me. And then when something does happen, we're like, God, why did you do this to me? I don't think I did anything wrong. Really? Sometimes stuff happens not because the Lord is trying to get your attention. Sometimes stuff happens because stuff happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
But say, but here's the problem. We live in a culture that's conditioned us to look for somebody to blame. Have you noticed that? And so if it isn't God because he's perfect, and so we got our theology right, God's perfect, he doesn't do wrong, he doesn't sin, so it's got to be me. And you're coming after me, God. Well, maybe he is, but a lot of times he isn't. It's the world in which we live in. And so we, 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 we approach God, we approach our relationship with him with an unhealthy fear. Here's the second one. We view God as being distant and uncaring. This is the biggest lie that so many of us embrace. We think, yes, he saved me. Yes, Jesus died for me. Yes, I have eternal life. But when it comes to him and his relationship with you, you kind of think you are the one that he really doesn't pay any attention to. He tolerates you or he tolerates me. And that really God is just distant. He's just off. He's off paying attention to other people because you see how blessed they are in life and they're not going through difficulties. He maybe is repulsed by you or you think that way that he's repulsed by you. Or he just kind of wants to keep you at a distance because you just aren't perfect and you know you're not perfect. But somehow you've developed this thinking that it's wrong. It's very unhealthy. It is definitely unhealthy that he is uncaring he doesn't care about what's going on in your life. He's got bigger things to think about. Or he's just distant. See, all of that's wrong. And the source of it is the enemy. The enemy wants you to believe this thinking. Because when you read the scripture, which we're going to do here in a second... That is not the way he is towards us. So before we read it, I want everybody to recognize with me. Does everybody recognize that he accepts us not because of us? Does everybody recognize that? He accepts us because of who, folks? Jesus, right? What he did for us. Now, because he accepts us, we enter into God's family. Because he accepts us and we come to him by faith and our hope is in him, we become children of God. We enter into his family. Now, being in his family, there are certain things that happen simply because you're part of the family. I'm entitling them benefits. And he's going to give us quite a few here. In fact, he's going to give us six things that we need to see here. But let's look first at the scripture. The first five verses of chapter five. But notice what Paul says in verse one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance 
and perseverance, character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now I'm going to point out six things here, okay? Now I think it's going to be interesting because when we talk about these six, six things, you're going to see that they're really tied to kind of like where our unhealthy thinking is. See, our unhealthy thinking emerges because we live in this world where difficulty happens, where struggles happen, where suffering is a part, and we think that somehow God has disappeared, he's distant, he's uncaring, we're left by ourselves in the midst of all that we're going through, but when you look at these six things, you're going to realize, no, no, the benefits of being accepted with him is that he's with you as you go through it. He doesn't run away from your problem. It's not like you remember in school, oh, cooties, get away, get away. He's not that way. Maybe I'm showing my age by saying that. Only old people are laughing, okay? The, the, the reality is, listen to me, every one of the six has to do with the world we live in. And it's the thing you hold on to that helps you to realize that you're accepted, that he loves you. So let's look at the first one, okay? First one we see in verse one, all right? Here's what he says. Therefore, having been justified, okay? Therefore, having been justified by faith. Another way to say it is, therefore, having been accepted by faith. So the assumption is, you've been accepted by faith. Okay, everybody understand that. Okay, here's what he says. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. The first benefit is peace. Peace. Here's the point I want you to see. Because we are accepted, we have peace with God. Peace is something that a lot of us wish we had, but we don't. Why? Because we're so, are you ready for this, so anxious, so worried about whatever it is that's happening in our life. We're so distracted and we're so, so worried because this pressure thing that's going on. And some of you right now, you're in a pressure thing. You've been told something. You're aware of something that's happening. Something's going on. You are in, under such pressure, such anxiety. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? And, and, you're, and you're not having any peace. You go to bed with the problem. You think about the problem during the day. When you get up in the morning, the problem's staring at you. You go throughout the day. You can't even listen to the radio or forget that's kind of old-fashioned. You can't even listen to your streaming service on your phone with your music because some song comes up that reminds you about your problem and you're without peace. You're just a mess. And then, therefore, the unhealthy thinking happens. That happens in our mind. You, God, you're, you're not there. You're distant. God, you're, you don't care. You're not aware of what's going on in my life. God, do you care about me? Do you love me? And I'm telling you the first benefit of being accepted is this. God gives you peace. He gives you peace. How do we know that? Paul, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, I can testify in my life that when I have been through difficult things, that there have been times when I did not know how I was going to make it through it, how we were going to make, make it through the next day with whatever difficulty was happening, that when I would go to him and just lay out my heart to him and vent, it's okay to vent to God, that the amazing thing would happen is, is that as I expressed myself to him, I would be struck with the overwhelming sense of peace for the moment. Now that peace wasn't a promise that the problem's going to go away, George. Here's what I realized through the years. The peace was simply, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not in this alone. I'm with you. Peace. That's the first benefit. But so many of us live without peace, right? But we're not looking for it. And we need to look for it. Where do we look for it? The most natural place. God. And he's ready to give you that peace. The peace of the Spirit. Here's the second one. This is the awesome thing. We, we don't think about this. Look with me at verse 2. He says this through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look at what he says. We have access. What, what are you talking about, George? Well, here's, here's my point. I want you to see that our acceptance gives us the privilege to approach God. unhealthy thinking that permeates us brings us to the point where we think well I can't go talk to him he's he's too busy to deal with my problem in fact he seems distant he seems uncaring uh, if I go to him I, I feel like I can't go to him because I'm not perfect and, and again we're thinking about ourselves and what we've done wrong and sometimes we even think that what we're going through is because we've done wrong and maybe it is maybe it isn't but the, the point is is that we somehow even if we go to him we're like oh I don't know if I should be here or not no no you need to understand one of the benefits of being accepted with him is you could go to him any time we know that from real life right my kids can call me anytime because they're my kids and I love them you know that with your own children right the, the reality is listen to me you're his child so you have access by faith. What faith? Faith in him. Faith that you are accepted by him. Not because of yourself, but because of Jesus. You have access. In fact, that comes out in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16, 14 through 16. It'll be up on the screen for you. Here's what he says in Hebrews. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That's the confession of faith that we have, that we trust in him. Here's what he says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Stop. Folks, God is not unaware of what you're going through because we have a high priest, Jesus, who went through it. He understands exactly how you're feeling. He understands the things that you're facing, the anxiety all of that, he's gone through it himself. Look at what it says here. 
but was not always tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Notice what he said. Let us come boldly. Now what does boldly mean? Walk right in. God, I need you. God, are you not aware of what's going on in my life? And you don't have to worry about him saying, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Step out. Decide how you're coming back in. No. He understands. Hey, so, okay, this is a good point. It understands. What do you mean understands? Okay. Some of you right now are totally frustrated. Now, you got a good face on today. Nobody else knows. Maybe somebody knows, but, but you're trying not to portray it. You've got something going on in your life. You are, you got the demeanor on. The skin is showing something different, but on the inside, you are a cauldron. You're a mess. And that mess is just like, I, I don't know, I'm just ready to erupt. And, and, and you think that somehow that nobody understands. Well, let's be true. Human beings don't understand. Okay? I've gone through things. I've been with people who understand. And they tell me what they're going through. And I can sympathize and empathize with them. But I really don't know what's going on. I can sit there and tell you the junk that's going on in my life and my emotions. But again, you're not going to really understand what I'm saying. You don't understand. But I'm telling you, there's one who does. Jesus. And because of that, I can come boldly to him and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. I need you. I need your grace. I need your help. Man, what a benefit. But here's what I find with Christians. It's the least used benefit among us. What do you mean the least used? Because he's not the first person we go to when there's a problem. The first person you go to is, click, hey, I need your help. What's your advice? Okay, thank you. Click, hey, I need your advice. We call 10 people to get get their opinion about what we need to do. We don't go to God. Then we get frustrated. I talk to 10 people. They don't understand. Nobody understands. Nobody understands. I'm all by myself. I'm alone. Least used privilege that we have is to go to God, isn't it? That's our benefit. You can go to him anytime. I wish some of us would graduate away from just praying for a parking place. Some of you, your prayer life is simply asking God for a closer spot at Walmart. You say, that's ridiculous, George. No, but that's how we pray, isn't it? When we need to have a relationship that's candid with him to ask him, God, I am going through this. I am hurting. Help me. Here's the third one. And remember, I told you, these all tie in. So peace, we need peace because our anxiety, because we're going through, going to him with our problem. Look at what he says in verse 3 and 4. There's no reason, there's no, it's, this is not a mistake that all of a sudden he's talking about what he's going to say in verse 3. Here's what he says. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Whoa, whoa, did I just read that? Yes. 
How many of you are excited about your problems today? Whoa! Look at what I'm going through. Isn't it great? And not only this, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Here's the point I want you to see. Our acceptance gives us an understanding concerning the suffering we endure. You begin to realize, if you're not governed by unhealthy thinking, that the stuff you go through is producing something in your life. Listen to what James says, James chapter 1. He, too, has got the same attitude that Paul has. He says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What's with these guys? That's not how we normally think, right? But this is what they say. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We begin to understand why we're going through it. So, okay, so I have been, so I've told you, this July I will be ordained 30 years. In June, Lori and I got married 30 years ago, July... My home church, that little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina, they ordained me to be a pastor. So with that ordination, I preached in various churches in Indiana County before we took our first church in, in Ontario, Canada. We were there for four years. It was our first church, my first church. It was a difficult pastorate. And uh, we loved the people, the people loved us, but there were just some issues that had nothing to do with us, but it just falls on the pastor. And it, it really was a difficult time. And so when, when I left there, we left there and, and uh, packed up and moved back to Pennsylvania in uh, November of 1999. Lori and I and our two little ones at that time, we had just had Maddie and Foss, and uh, we moved back. I never wanted to go through that experience again. But before we left, I had a pastor from a sister church about uh, 12 miles away, 12 kilometers, 8 miles away. Big church, still is a big church. One of the pastors there has called me up because we were in the same association of Baptist churches. He called me up and said, hey, George, before you leave, I want you to come visit me. And, and I thought it was over. Even though I resigned, we had nowhere to go. We were coming back to PA. I thought I was done with ministry. How could God ever use me again? Even though I didn't do anything wrong there, it's just like this, I, do I really want to go through this experience again? And so I, I went to see this guy named George Bell. And uh, I'm not sure if he's still alive. He was a great pastor. And uh, he, he looked at me and he said, George, I'll never forget his words. When you pastor again, and you will pastor again, whoa, he's thinking I'm going to still pastor. He said, you will face difficulty, but you'll look at it and say, I've wrestled with tigers. This is nothing. Because I did pastor again. I'm pastoring again. 22 years. April 1st, 
Fool's Day. <laughs> I just told somebody, when, when did you start? April Fool's Day. Well, because some people thought I was a fool for coming here. April 1st, literally. I've been here now 22 years. And what did those trials do in that first church? Produce patience and character to continue pastoring. And that's the way thing is with life, right? If you look at it, think about it. Your life hasn't been perfect up to the point of whatever you're going through right now. Do you understand? You've been going from one crisis to another, one difficulty to another. And with each one of those crises, God has been developing in your life what? Patience and character. Developing you. And you begin to realize that. So what is this joy that he's talking about that we have when we go through this? You begin to realize more and more that God is molding you through the difficulties that you face in life to what? Become who you really need to be in him. That's the third benefit. The third benefit is understanding the suffering that we endure. Here's the fourth one. Verse 5, he says this. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, is give, who was given to us. Here's the first one. Our hope will not disappoint or put us to shame. The benefit we have is, is that the hope that we have, what hope? The hope that I am accepted with God, that I'm a part of his family, that I'm going to be with him forever, will not disappoint or put you to shame. Well, you say, but I am disappointed because I expected him to answer this prayer and he hasn't done it yet, so I am disappointed. That's not the disappointment he's talking about. He's talking about that your hope, the hope that you have in something later on, which, by the way, in our culture today, some people think that's crazy for you to think about it. You don't need to be ashamed of your hope. Your hope will not be disappointed because you belong to him, and no matter what it is that you're going through, even though you don't see him answering things the way you want him to answer it, it's not going to be disappointed because one day you're going to be with him and everything will be made right. And all the struggles of life will end. You'll not be put to shame thinking that you put your hope in something that, wasn't cra that was crazy, as the world would say it's crazy. That's the third benefit. You have a hope that's not going to disappoint you. Here's the, here's the fourth, excuse me, the fifth one. Again, verse 5, because we're accepted, God's love has filled our hearts. Some of you need to realize that. That the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit entered into your life, and at that moment you were filled with God's love so that it should be overflowing out of your life towards others. Think about the commandments that Jesus gave. He didn't command you to be perfect, did he? A new commandment I give unto you, be perfect. No, he didn't say that. A new commandment I give unto you, what? That you love one another just as I have loved you. Love is the commandment that he gives to us. Jesus, when he's asked, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these, the whole law hinges. Love. But you know what? I'm a human being. Love doesn't come easy. Well, he knew that, so what did he do? He filled us with his love when we got saved. What a benefit it is that we have. What some of us need to do is begin to start loving again, right? Letting the love flow out of us towards other people. And then here's the final benefit. This is the greatest benefit. Here's what he says. Because we have, are accepted, we have been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says it this way. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. My brethren, count it all joy. Excuse me, that, that's not what Ephesians says. That's James, George, you made a mistake. Well, let me turn to my Bible. My Bible has it. Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what he says, verse 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the promise of his glory. You were given the ultimate sign that it has nothing to do with you. Do you want to know how I know that my acceptance with God has nothing to do with me? Because my acceptance with God is assured because he gives me the Holy Spirit as what? My seal to make sure I understand I'm always going to be his. And number two, my guarantee. My guarantee of what? What my hope is in. That I'm going to be with him. And the wonderful thing about that seal and that guarantee of the Holy Spirit is, is that I am never, listen to me, write this down, I am never alone. Remember the unhealthy thinking that you're distant, God, that you're uncaring? How can we think that way when he's with us in the person of the Holy Spirit? He's with you. Man, aren't those benefits? Peace. Peace. Access to the Father anytime. Any way, any mood, I can't go talk to him right now. I'm not in the right frame of mind. No, no, go talk to him. I've done it. So does David. Man, read the Psalms. The Psalms are people pouring out their heart in their pain. Go to him. Access. Understanding of what? Why you're going through what you're going and recognizing that God is producing something in your life. Hope. Hope that won't disappoint or shame you. Reality. Here's the reality that he's filled our hearts with love. And then what? Ultimately, he's given us the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing I need to challenge you with. It's good to hear about these. But it's only as good as you utilize them. It's like somebody sends me a letter and says, hey, George, your uncle so-and-so died. Um, he left you a million dollars. It's in this account. You can access it anytime you want. A million bucks. It's there. 
Here's the plastic card to give you access. Stick that in my wallet. But yet I go on through life struggling and facing, the, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to deal with this? Oh my goodness, i got to replace this. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to find the money? And all the while i got the card in the back of my pocket that gives me access to what I need to solve my issues. I don't utilize it. So many of us are the same way. You go through the things that you're facing every day, struggles, and you be develop this unhealthy thinking in your mind. You must not care, God. I'm so afraid you're ready to drop the hammer on me. And he's saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Huh. I'm here to give you peace. I'm here to give you peace. I I I'm here to tell you that anytime you want to talk to me, George, I'm right here. In fact, I'm so right here, I'm here in the person of the Holy Spirit who's within you. I, I I'm so want you to know that the hope that you have in me, it's not going to disappoint you. You just keep holding on. And I'm filling your heart with love that you can keep loving people. And love me, even in spite of what you're going through. Isn't that one of our first natural byproducts of, of the stuff we go through? Is we're all we're consumed with ourselves. We, we don't really have time for anybody else. But when he fills your heart with love that's overflowing, it has to flow out to others, even in spite of what you're going through. We need to start accessing what's there. And here's the thing. That access isn't because of you. It's because of Jesus. Let me pray for us.